0: Show Me the Science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, I'm Luke O'Neill, and welcome to my Show Me the Science podcast. Now, I think a couple of weeks ago, anyway, I did the Ig Nobel Prizes. They were the kind of funny versions of the Nobel Prize. But guess what? Of course, Nobel Prizes are being announced now, and last week we had several of them. And the big one for me is always the medicine or physiology one, because I know a lot about that area. And this year, that prize for medicine or physiology has gone for, guess what? Of all things, our ability to sense heat, sense cold, and touch. Can you believe it? Two scientists, Ardem Pataputian is a very important one, for example, and then David Julius get the prize for discovering special sensors in your body for heat cold and touch. Now you might think these would have been known for a long time because we know all about the senses and various things about how how we sense things. It turns out that these two scientists and their teams discover the actual way that we can sense heat, cold and touch. And the prize said it's our ability to sense heat, cold and touch is essential for survival and underpins our interaction with the world around us. A very worthy Nobel Prize. Now let's look at them one by one. So first of all, Ardem, he's in the Scripps Research Institute in La Jolla in California and David Julius, he is in the University of California in San Francisco, and they were working in kind of the same area looking for these various sensors. And the first one, RDM's discovery, he discovered pressure sensitive ion channels. They're called PH01 and Piezo 2 and they're special sensors for touch or pressure. Now, why would this be important? Well, sensing things is very important, as we all know, and especially the sense of touch and pressure. And it turns out that these sensors in our body, are critical for knowing the position of your limbs in space that's called proprioception in other words where your arms and legs are it sounds a bit unusual but you need to know your position in space don't you and these pressure sensors can do that and then they also sense pressure for example in your bladder if it's full and that's an important thing to trigger of course urination for example and these sensors also pick up the amount of air in your lungs because they're sensing I suppose pressure in those two different organs very important and then David Julius's uh, uh, discovery it was mainly to do with heat and cold and he discovered two sensors they call the trip v1 which senses heat and trip m8 that senses cold and of course the ability to sense heat and cold can have all kinds of uh, positive effects as we'll see in a minute now the great thing part of that this was the first guy ardem Par- 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 patiputian uh, he uh, had his phone switched off on the morning when the Nobel Prize was announced can you believe it and they got to his dad first and his dad is a 94 year old guy and they had his landline number so i the Nobel Prize committee they rang him and said look can you contact your son and get your son to contact us and of course Padiputian knew immediately and he called up and he said hey presto he'd won the Nobel Prize and he was obviously delighted and especially his dad who was 94 was over the moon and Padiputian said something very important he said he was a basic research scientist all he was trying to do was really discover the pressure sensors in our bodies that can pick up the pressure and touch I guess is the thing we would call it. And all he wanted to was find what those sensors were. And it was basic science. He wasn't saying, look, I want to find out a cure for disease or whatever it might be. Although, as we'll see in a minute, of course, this discovery could have consequences for understanding disease. And he was very much just a fundamental scientist. And he said what motivated him. And of course, very important what motivates scientists anyway. It is curiosity remember is the first thing we have as scientists, he knew that the the chemical basis for various senses is understood. So in other words, how we smell things, we smell a chemical, you see, or how we taste things. There's two very important senses, as we all know. What you're sensing there are chemicals. He said, well, look, what's being sensed? With touch, it can't be a chemical, because if you feel pressure, what's actually being detected? And then he found these receptors. And of course, his method was also very interesting. It was only 2010, by the way, that these pHO receptors were discovered. And what he did was, his his student, and let's give a shout out for the person in his lab, called Bertrand Costa, he was the, one of the key scientists that was part of, uh, of the R&M's team, they took a cell in the body, they could culture it, and that cell could sense pressure. And they knew this was a special pressure-sensing cell, if you will. And they began knocking down genes one by one to see if they could stop that cell sensing pressure. They knew the genes would be probably what I call ion channels, because iron channels in the body sense many things. And they knew how many iron channels there were. And they began knocking them down one by one. It took about a year, and nothing was working. I mean, they kept knocking them down, and the cell could still sense the pressure. But finally, they hit the magic number, that, as it turns out, number 73. It was a 73rd one that they knocked down. And that's, uh, we call this knockdown, by the way, which means to get rid of a particular gene. And that cell couldn't sense pressure anymore. And they identified the P8 cell. They call it P8 cell. Uh, that means pressure. So they found the very first pressure-sensing protein. The gene, remember, makes the protein. And then to prove it, a very nice piece of science, they stuck that gene into another cell type that wouldn't normally sense pressure. So in other words, a cell that's, whose job isn't pressure-sensing. And guess what? Sticking that gene into that cell, that cell could now sense pressure. And that was the evidence. And remember, you need very strong evidence to support your findings. So in other words... They had a cell that could sense pressure. They knocked down number 73. It could no longer sense the pressure. They took that gene, stuck it into another cell that couldn't sense pressure, and now that cell could sense pressure, and they discovered these pHO genes. Very important. Pretty quickly, then, they knew this must be a big discovery. Loads of experiments on touch, you know, and if you touch things, these sos fire off, and they're detecting the pressure from touching something. And then this thing, proprioception, where your limbs are, they realized that was a pressure-sensing Anyway, in your muscles mainly, and again, the PHs were involved in that, and one that was unusual was, I think called interoception. And that's internal organs and their capacity to sense pressure. And that's where the bladder and the lungs came in because that's inside your body. And the bladder can pick up the pressure from the urine, say, and the lungs can pick up pressure from the air. And again, it was these piezos that can sense that kind of pressure as well. So again, a very fundamental discovery in many ways. And the Nobel Prize, of course, should always be about fundamental discoveries, you know, that bring a new concept, if you will. And the piezos answered so many different questions. More recently, they found they can also, they can also sense blood pressure. And then we move into the realm of, will this be useful? Now, as I say, it is about curiosity. But can these things be useful? And they're now looking at all kinds of ways in which the discovery of these pHOs, these pressure touch sensors, might be useful. Uh, one could be in new treatments for high blood pressure. Now, there are good treatments already, but we would always need new treatments for, for certain conditions. And that will be an example. Uh, one very f- interesting discovery that was made, uh, there was a genetic condition where children are born and they can't really coordinate their limbs. And they take a long time to learn to walk. They can take five, six, seven years of age. They can now eventually master walking. They still need help. Guess what? They had a deficiency in P802. And that's how they knew, I guess, that P802's job was to sense where your limbs are. And if your brain can't sense where your legs are, you have trouble walking, you know. And lo and behold, there was a genetic condition. Where these children couldn't really walk properly, and it was all down to this PHO2 deficiency. That might give, it's very rare, of course, but then you might see a gene therapy to correct that particular condition, which could be one useful outcome from this. And again, that proved the work that really the, the uh, RDM and his team had done because they find a human disease where the thing they've discovered is deficient and you get symptoms consistent with what PHO2 does. So again, we love that because it's independent confirmation of what's going on there. But perhaps the most interesting. Use for this for the RDM discovery is pain. Now it turns out if you sense pressure too much. You might feel more pain. There's a thing called neuropathic pain. You can have pain in your inner organs, for example, and, and there may be these p cells that are misfiring in some way. Uh, neuropathic pain is the name for this at some, at some level. So, of course, there could be no drug targets to treat pain that's otherwise hard to treat. And Ardem himself was interviewed and he said, well, yes, we'd love to go after them now as a target to relieve pain, he says. The trouble is you need them in other parts of your body. In other words, if you, if you block them completely, your bladder mightn't work properly, or your lungs. So the question is, how do you get a specific way to block them? And he's thinking maybe a cream of some kind. Let's say you've got intense pain in your limbs or somewhere like that, or in your joints, you might be able to develop a cream, a topical treatment, we call this, to to target the pHOs and, and maybe bring that pain down. And that wouldn't necessarily be addictive, which would be a great thing. So one application then might be in brand new treatment. Early days, for that, that must be said. Now, Julius' discovery, let's move on to him because He won the other half of the prize. Now, remember, his discovery is in the same realm. It's sensing things. So Ardems was about sensing pressure in the sense of touch. Julius is about hot and cold, how our body senses hot and cold temperatures. And again, it's a basic discovery about how our body does this. But there will be one or two applications, as you'll see in a minute. Now, Julius is an interesting fellow. He became very interested early on as a scientist in magic mushrooms. Now, there's a thing that you wouldn't expect. Now, magic mushrooms have a thing called psilocybin that makes people hallucinate. And Julius got interested in the brain and how the brain senses things. And again, it was part of the senses in a way. And then from that beginning, he got involved in research into the senses anyway. And then he began to wonder, well, how does the body sense hot and cold? And in 1997, he discovers the sensor for hot the hot sensation. And again, an ion channel, just like in r work, it's called Trip V1. And guess what he was using to discover that? This is a strange, quirky thing. Capsaicin, the chemical that's in peppers. We sense that as being hot. And we all know when we eat hot food, you know, we can sense the heat and so on. That capsaicin actually is mimicking a temperature rise anyway if you know what I mean so the capsaicin is, is doing the same thing as if you increase temperature and he tries to find the receptor that senses capsaicin as his model system I guess it was easier to work on and he discovers TRIPV1 and lo and behold this is the heat sensor in our body it's called thermoception and of course you might want to move away from a hot source using this sensor it's probably evolved for us to if you touch something hot you of course pull your hand away don't you it's these heat sensors that are probably doing that they feel they've evidence for this and, of course, part of the evidence for this was they took a mouse and they could make the trip one deficient, delete the gene, and that mouse could no longer sense heat or capsaicin. And there was part of the evidence. Although the main method they used to find this was they took a cell that couldn't sense heat and they began putting genes into it. So unlike you know, the r and example, where they began knocking genes out, these guys began introducing genes one by one, and they finally find TRIP TRPV1 gene that can sense capsaicin. They make a mouse to confirm that. So it's a very important sensor of, uh, of heat. It also senses your core body temperature, and then it can ramp up if you're getting hypothermic, for example, and that's a very interesting thing. It also senses visceral heat in your organs, which is a strange one. Now, they weren't content with sensing heat. They move on and then discover the sensor for cold, and that's the Trip PM8 channel, right? And that they use menthol for that, interestingly. We sense menthol like in mint as a cold sensation. Isn't it interesting having I mean, to use this? And then that turns out to be sensing menthol, but it's also sensing the cold temperature, and then that's important for regulating body temperature as well. So they find, basically, Julius's team, the sensor for hot and cold, and your body temperature can be adjusted accordingly. And then, by strange coincidence, these foodstuffs are being sensed by the same channels, and they were a very useful tool to use. Now, again, uh, the good thing here is the use for this could be pain, because it turns out again, these trip channels can miss fire and give a sense of pain in the wrong place. And some people have awful burning sensations, for instance, because these the trip uh, V1 channels too active. And again, you can imagine now ways to treat that. So again, we're in the realm of new painkillers, I guess, and that's an important aspect of this. So there we have Judy's discovery and our um, great, great findings, really, in basic science. And the timing couldn't be better. And in fact, um, some of the press around this said, look, during COVID, we missed the sense of touch, didn't we? That we're all desperate to hug each other. We missed fire firing off our touch sensors because they're such an important part of our our physiology in a way and warmth and touch and all that kind of thing was, was something that we needed and lo and behold then the discoveries that were happening in that area are awarded with the Nobel Prize. A great example of a Nobel Prize for basic research that could have clinical benefits down the line. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy that one this year's Nobel Prize and of course my Show Me the Science podcast is available for download every Thursday. Thanks for listening.